As we said a moment ago, we are so glad that you're here. And we hope and trust that as we study together this morning, and you leave here this morning, when you come time tonight to pillow your head for sleep, you'll say, you know, I'm glad I put forth the effort to be there this morning. I want to ask you a question. I like asking questions. When you think of Jesus Christ, what kind of personality traits or what kind of character traits do you think of when you think of Jesus? Do you think of Jesus offering that great invitation? Telling all those who are weary and all those who have labored and all those who are conscious of being heavily laden to come to Him and find rest? Do you think of Jesus the way the artists have pictured Him and the way people so often talk about Him as the gentle Jesus, meek and mild? I am convinced that when we think of Jesus, we focus on His kindness, His love. We focus on His gentleness. We like to think about His compassionate nature. But if you study the Gospels, there is another side of the character of Jesus. You see, my Lord is a multifaceted individual. And it's that different aspect of Jesus Christ that I want us to think about for a few moments this morning. Mark chapter 3 and verse 5 shows us a picture of Jesus that brings a surprise to most people. In fact, a lot of folks actually consider it a positive shock. Because Mark chapter 5 says, And when Jesus had looked round about on them with anger. You see, when we think about Jesus, we think about Jesus opening His arms and gathering little children in His arms to bless them. We hear Jesus sitting beside a well curb in Samaria, talking to an outcast, soiled woman of Samaria. And Jesus talks to her and He tells her about the deep things of God. And we hear Jesus tell that bit of damaged goods that she can have a spring of living water welling up inside of her. A spring that will meet her needs both for time and eternity. And those kinds of scenes. Jesus gathering little children to Him. Jesus speaking kindly to a woman on a well curb in Samaria. Those kind of pictures of Jesus are all fitting and proper. And those are pictures of Jesus that are pleasing to us. But in our text... We see that same gracious, kind, loving, tender-hearted man with his cheeks flaming with anger. We see Jesus with his eyes flashing fire. And to us it seems a bit out of character. And when we read, Jesus looked upon them with anger, it almost makes us shrink back with amazement and gasp. And why? Why does this anger of our Lord take us so much by surprise? Well, to be blunt, 
Anger is not something that has an untarnished reputation. The ancient Greeks and Romans did not list it among the desirable virtues of character. When Paul in Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, anger is not one of the attributes of love that Paul mentions in Galatians 5.19. When Jesus gives us the Beatitudes and He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek. Jesus nowhere in the Beatitudes says, Blessed are the angry. You see, anger is something that we don't talk about a lot. We don't want to talk about. And anger yet is not something that is distinctively human. Make no mistake about it. Everyone can become angry. So anger is no mark of distinction. Beasts of the field can also become angry. I read one time about a schoolmaster in a frontier school. A man that believed very strongly in the study of Latin and in the study of Greek. And he gave special attention to the study of Latin and Greek. But it seems one day a quite rugged man came to see the headmaster. And the man told the headmaster he strenuously objected to his son being taught things like Latin and Greek. And red-faced and in a heated way, he said, I want my son to have a practical education. I want him to know practical things like how to milk a cow. And the headmaster readily agreed with him. And he said, I want my son to have a practical education too. And I want my son to know how to milk a cow. I also want my son to know how to do some things a calf can't do better. That's the way it is with anger. Any beast can get angry. Having a quick and fiery temper is not something to be proud of. Because there are some animals that have a quick and fiery temper. You don't think so? Take a sweet, common, sleeping, ordinary house cat and pull its tail and see what happens. I've read of elephants turning on their trainers. And when elephants turn on their trainers, they're not given medals, they shoot them. We can all get angry. Everybody in this room has the ability to get angry. And beasts can get angry. And reptiles can get angry. So having a high capacity for anger is not necessarily a mark of distinction among men and women. The brilliant sons and daughters of genius can get angry. So can morons. Wise, saintly, gray-headed men can get angry. So can six-week-old babies. Have you ever seen an infant get angry? They're hungry, they want to be fed, and you're not getting the bottle prepared fast enough? 
if the average baby had strength in proportion to the fierceness of their anger, very few mothers would live till those sweet little angels were a year old. Anger. And yet we read that Jesus got angry. And that comes as a bit of a shock to us, doesn't it? The average garden variety of anger doesn't have a high batting average in our daily life. When we blow up at someone, and don't act like you haven't, when we blow up at someone, we don't say, well, I got angry. What do we say? Well, I got mad. That action describes our conduct much more closely. Because most folks that I've observed, when they get angry, are less than sane. Reason is pushed aside and love is shown the door. So, we do senseless things that we wouldn't do were it not for the fact that we're acting outrageously. You open this book, and anger does not have a high rating in the Bible. Paul was a man that had a fiery temper. There was an occasion in Acts chapter 23 where the Apostle Paul actually let his temper get out of control. A certain high priest ordered Paul to be slapped. Paul burned with hot indignation. And he responded to the man, God shall strike you, you whitewashed wall. A little bit later, Paul recovered himself. And Paul apologized. From Paul's own personal experience, he learned the value and the wisdom of that passage from the Psalms be angry, but sin not. You see, that last word is important. Be angry, but sin not. You see, my friends, anger often gives birth to sin. Anger makes us break off diplomatic relations with one another. It causes us at times to fret and to puff up and pout. It causes sometimes folks to break with the church that they deeply love. And yet, in spite of these kinds of charges against anger, we face the fact that Jesus sometimes blazed with hot, fiery indignation. And we wonder about that, don't we? How can that be the case? How can Jesus, the loving shepherd, how can Jesus, kind and gentle-hearted and loving, be angry? In spite of its many dangers and defects. Anger can sometimes be a virtue. Instead of a vice. In that respect, it's closely akin to money. 
You ever heard someone say, money's the root of all evil? It's not. Money is not good or evil in and of itself. Paul says the love of money is the root of all evil. But money is power. And rightly used, it can do a great deal of good. And wrongly used, it can do endless harm. Friends, the same thing's true of anger. It too has power. An angry man will often dare and do what he would not do without his anger. And the anger of Jesus Christ, my Lord, was right. And not simply because it was Jesus' anger. It was right in itself. And it was right because Jesus Himself was right. I think Simon Peter was telling a very sober truth. When Simon in his letter, when he said of Jesus, He knew no sin. Jesus urged every individual to pray for forgiveness. But though Jesus Christ was so sensitive to sin, not once did He ask to be forgiven. That means the anger of Jesus wasn't born out of sin. Have you ever thought about our anger, mine and yours? What causes us to be angry? What makes you angry? What makes me angry? The answer to that question tells us what kind of person we are. What angered Jesus? Well, let's look at it very briefly. Let's look at three events that filled Jesus with flaming, hot anger. There was our text. This was on a day that Jesus was going into the synagogue. And on His way into the synagogue, Jesus met a man with a heavy handicap. One of His hands was withered. Dr. Luke, in his Gospel account, tells us it was His right hand. And here's a hand that was withered would would look like that. That day and time, had no place for the physically handicapped, the physically unfit. Those with a handicap like that were driven to beggary. But Jesus was ever willing and eager to give people a chance. And Jesus was eager to give this man a chance. Jesus had a longing down deep inside to give this man the privilege of becoming a giver rather than a getter. Now on the surface you'd think, well, everyone should agree with Jesus on that. To allow this man to overcome this handicap. But that day there were certain religious people, the Pharisees in particular, who did not agree with Jesus. They thought far more of their petty rules and man-made legislations and their regulations than they did of giving this man a chance. And those Pharisees, 
You read Mark's account. You read Dr. Luke's account. They practically dared Jesus to heal this man. And that's when we're told that Jesus looked upon them with anger. An anger that scorched and blistered and burned. Whenever any man or woman is robbed of his or her chance in life, the anger of Jesus Christ burns against the evil that robs them of that chance. There was another time when Jesus went into the temple. Jeremiah tells us the temple was to be the house of prayer for all nations. But that day that Jesus went there, prayer was next to impossible. It was almost drowned out by the pandemonium of the buyers and the sellers. There were those that shrieked at each other over the price of cattle and sheep being sold for sacrifice. Equally shocking was the shrieking of the money changers and their victims that they were trying to cheat that day. At this shocking sight that day in the temple, Jesus became intensely angry. He said, it's written, my father's house will be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. And Jesus went into action. He did one of the most shocking things of his entire ministry. He turned over the tables of the money changers and their coins and their money just started scattering on the stone floor of the outer court of the temple. He took some cords and he made a scourge and he drove the frightened cattle and sheep out of the temple that were there for sacrifice. It angered him that souls were being robbed in the name of God. Robbing a man or a woman of their right to meet God filled Jesus with a holy anger in that far off day. I wonder what Jesus would have thought over the past year as governments sought to keep churches closed and liquor stores open, how the anger of Jesus might have burned and blistered of people being robbed of their right to worship God. There was another time that Jesus burned and blazed with anger. And that was when His misguided friends got in the way of little children. And you know, I'm kind of like Jesus about that. I get irritated about that sometimes too. Little children were being brought to Jesus to be blessed. And the disciples were turning them away and telling their mothers, Don't bother the Master. Don't bother the Master. And when Jesus saw it, He was indignant. You know, I never shall forget I probably told you this story, but I'm going to tell it again. Several years ago, I was over in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I was preaching on a Wednesday night. 
And as I was preaching, there was a, a young mother sitting about four rows back from where I was. Had a baby. That baby wasn't two weeks old. And as I was talking and preaching, that baby started fretting. You know why? That baby pointed a bottle. And this poor woman, she's turning red in the face. And she's scratching through that diaper bag as quick as she can to get a, a bottle. And it was okay. Well, she's sitting about the three rows back from me. And over here is this older man. And he does this number. Cuts his eyes over there. Just stared at him. So I stopped. I said, you know, isn't that sound of that baby crying pretty? I said, you know, some people get upset listening to a baby cry in church. And I always look forward to hear a baby cry in church. And then I looked straight at him. I said, you know, as long as the sound of babies crying can drown out the sound of old people coughing, the church is going to be just fine. And then I went on with my... You know, they never asked me back there, Leon. wonder if that had anything to do with it. Well, if I was confronted with that situation again, do you know what I'd do? I'd do exactly the same thing. That's what happened with Jesus there. The disciples said, oh, don't bother Jesus with these little children. And he was indignant. He said, don't forbid these children to come to me. So tender was the love of Jesus for those little children that he made the declaration, it would be better to be drowned in the sea with a millstone around one's neck than to cause one of those little children to go wrong. Write this down. It's on your final exam. Jesus' anger was a righteous anger. It was an anger that was right. You see, the anger of Jesus was right because it was never born out of self-love. Jesus never blazed hot with anger because of some injury or insult that was directed at Him. You remember what Peter wrote about Him? When he was reviled, he reviled not again. He did not seek to retaliate. He did not seek to get even. Now, Peter, Peter's a different story. Peter was an apostle that had flammable written all over him. And yet he could never cease to marvel at this characteristic of Jesus. And how different is that from our attitude most of the time? We... Get angry. Jesus never got angry at a wrong that was done to Him personally, but most of us seldom get angry for any other reason. There are a lot of folks that can look with quiet eyes as might triumphs over right. We see that a lot in our day and time. But it's only when they themselves are wrong that they blaze with anger. But the anger of Jesus always led to helpful action. When I get angry, I always want to strike back at the person that did something to me. And don't look so horrified like I'm the only person in this room that feels that way either. 
I would be so bold as to say there's a lot of folks that feel that same way. But that wasn't the case with Jesus. Jesus had a longing down deep inside to give both the person that was wronged and the wrongdoer a chance. When Jesus cleansed the temple that day, He was seeking no less to help those who were cheating as He was those who were being cheated. In fact, if you study the life of Jesus, if you think about it, Jesus cleansed the temple on Monday. And He went to die for the robbers and the robbed in the temple on Friday of that same week. The anger of Jesus always was born of a right motive. But what about our anger? The Bible tells us that there are four different kinds of anger. There's sudden anger. Anger that must be brought under control. There's sinful anger. Anger that must be condemned. There's stubborn anger. Anger that must be conquered. And then there is righteous anger. The anger of Jesus. Brethren, that's the kind of anger we've got to have. That's anger channeled in the right direction. Remember Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.26, Be you angry and sin not. Maybe that's what the church of the 21st century needs. Maybe we need an infusion of anger. Maybe it's time for us to become angry at the corruption of our world. Maybe it's time for us to become angry at the forces of evil running rampant in our society. Maybe it's time for us to be angry about the millions of unborn children murdered every year in the name of abortion. Maybe it's time for us to be angry about the way crime and murder, rape, and things of that nature are increasing. Maybe we need to be angry about the abuse of drugs and alcohol in our society. Maybe. Just maybe we need to become angry. Because there are millions of people who are dying and going to their grave and passing to judgment without Jesus Christ in their lives. Maybe it's time for us to become angry with a sanctified anger, a holy anger, an anger channeled in the right places. So be angry. But don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let evil ever get a foothold in your life. When we channel our anger in the way that Jesus' anger was, when our anger is a righteous anger, then our anger can actually help us accomplish victories for Jesus Christ. But for us to accomplish victories for Jesus Christ, Jesus has to be Lord and Master of our lives. Not just Lord and Master of part of our lives, but Lord and Master of all of our lives. And I don't know what's going on in your world or what's going on in your life or what the needs of your life might be. 
But if there are changes that need to be made for Jesus to be Lord and Master of all of your life, this is your opportunity to let those changes be made known and your desire to make those changes known as together we stand and while we sing.